one. What was that? That's the biggest drop we've had in the spoos in maybe two or three years. What was the cause? We got a couple different opinions. We'll discuss that. Bouncing right back. Micron helping out. Big tag back in the green. Was that the only dip you're going to be able to buy? CC Legator, 835. He's going to weigh in on the zero-day options. It's Thursday. It's a wild day here on Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, investors. This is going to be a fun show here. I don't know if we're going to be able to get Mike Wilson on or not, but we're up 23 and three quarters handles at 47.7350. Boom, rallied right off that open, right up to uh, mid-range here, basically from that big sell-off that we had. We have the buck in the red by 37 cents at 101.67. Bonds up at eighth of a point at 124 and a half. Crude down 82 cents at 73.40. Gold steady right at the 2050 area. Silver in the red. Second day in a row these uh, been going different areas. That's down a dime at 24.53. Bitcoin adding to yesterday's gains. That's up $585 at $44,215. let us bring in Triple D here. Triple D. That was a dip. And they're buying the dip. Was that our final setup for the Santa Claus rally? I don't know. This market just will do whatever you think it's not going to do. And I mean, every bear threw in the towel, including Mike Wilson. I mean, maybe it was just the fact that we're just overbought and massively overbought. We've talked about that being, you know, a, a possible issue going into the Santa Claus rally is that they have front run the Santa Claus rally. That's the only issue I saw because FedEx, they were seeming to shrug off. I thought they mm-hmm. would have sold it off earlier if it was going to be FedEx. FedEx didn't even get a sniff of a bounce here. But that caught a lot of people. I mean, it's a key reversal in a lot of indices. IWM, key reversal. It's something to think about for today. Today is a, is, it's, is a very important day here, Joel. Very you said that about because... yesterday too, Dennis. And and I and no I agree important with days. you. <laughs> after no. yesterday's sell-off, you don't want to see follow-through here. You don't want to see people come in as like, oh, you know, I got spooked yesterday. I'm going to use this rip to sell here this morning. You do not want to see that if you're a bull. You want to see them buy the dip relentlessly and just get a lot of yesterday's losses back. I don't know who's going to win here. Again, seasonality keeps me bullish here. But maybe they're going to pull the rug on the seasonality traders. I mean, this market has found a way to punish the maximum amount of participants. And maybe that's what they were doing yesterday. Let's bring in money, Mitch, to get Yeah, let's get Mitch here. in here. He had some longs. I had some longs. I got stopped out on some stuff yesterday. Stop, 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 stop. You stop, can't stop. fight that, man. You know, as a trader, it's all about risk <laughs> management. And you start seeing no bids out there. Like, you know, S&P is falling as quickly as they did. Biggest sell-off yeah. we've had in a couple of months. 
you got to be cautious. So, Mitch, how, how what do you first? And and we have a million theories on this. You know, what was the reason for yesterday? I jokingly say it was Mike Wilson. And if you don't know Mike Wilson, obviously, analyst Morgan Stanley has been wrong all year. Every time he gets bullish, the market sells off. Every time he gets bearish, the market rallies. Um, back in October, he started getting his bear thesis back on. That was the absolute bottom. Well, two days ago, he said stocks can move higher from here. So he basically threw in the towel on his bear thesis. Zero hedge push um, uh, put that out there as well. And, you know, here we are the next day and the market sells off substantially. So jokingly, um, you know, I was even saying to Mike Tuttle, we need a Mike Wilson an inverse ETF here because you want to pick on Kramer? Nobody has been more wrong than Mike Wilson. Yeah, yesterday I should have known something. The chat was just buzzing when I made any type of comment to the bear side. Oh, yeah, and, they uh, hate bears, <laughs> you know, that's like one of the indicators that I use also when the, the chat is like 99% bullish and then everybody that's coming on, all our guests are coming on and they're extremely bullish. I mean, well, there you guys have it. The whole world is bullish. I mean, you, give it me is. a bear out there because... I'm here looking for it. And then the funny part was, I mean, this is one of those examples where I'm glad I had some stops set because I was Ooh. not watching the market when that downturn happened. I was editing a video. And so if I was not having those stops set, let's just say today would be one of those tears type of days. Um, so I think that everyone was riding the wave. And this was finally the wave that starts to break what? A lot of the momentum traders. Um, and I think that now we need to be watching to see if they start to break like known exponential moving averages. Uh, I, I keep up with the nine um, and that's still slightly down. I mean, that's more towards yesterday's low of 402. So that's one thing that I'll keep on watch. I think what we might go into is a little bit of a sideways period. Yeah, we, we haven't gone sideways in a long time. And that's that's a good point. After we had the the big ramp up you can see uh, in November, December. It's funny because you guys got stopped out on some uh, some longs. In the morning, I said, you know, I'm looking at that FedEx report. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to sell in the hall. I'm going to wait till we go unchanged. Right? I figured that close, that might be the closing high for the move. Well, I did, and I, you know, it goes, it goes ten handles against me, and I, you know, I don't like to, you know, for risk rewards and stuff. I'm like, okay, this market's never going down, you know, and because that's what you know that was the plan. But it, you know, fortunately, when it started to come down later in the day, I was able. That just goes to show you, man, shorting, you know, and I tell you that is all the time, you know, shorting when something's going up is so tempting, you know, but. When the momentum's going against you, it's hard. And when you catch it on the way down, it you know, it's much better. But it was an interesting day. I totally agree with you, Dennis. Uh, this is an important day. We bounced right back. Yeah. So we bounced. We're back up 23 handles. People are just saying, you know, whether it was zero dated options or whether it was the G comments. What was uh, the reason, right? That's what we all want to know. And of course, uh, yesterday's morning, this was reported. Some are saying that this, this is the reason. And you guys in the chat weigh in and what you think is the reason why we sold off here. But of course, Chinese President Xi bluntly told President Joe Biden during the recent summit in San Francisco that Beijing would reunify with Taiwan. Uh, will reunify Taiwan with the mainland China, but that the timing has not been decided yet. And this came from three current and former U.S. officials. One thing that is definitely going to be on the talk out there, just pull, 
political talk is why didn't Biden come out with this information, right? Know, why did, why did it come out from three current former U.S. officials? I mean, if they knew it, I mean, then maybe a lot of people knew this. So I think that's another thing that we need to be thinking about. And the only thing that can change this up is I think this exact situation. I mean, this is the boogeyman that keeps China stocks depressed. You know, everybody can analyze, why is China lag so much? Why is the FXI continue to make new lows, which it does? I mean, you know, you look at this index and, you know, the FXI making new lows. Alibaba can't seem to get a, a sniff at all. You know, PDD is oh. the only stock, it seems like, over there that, you know, gets a rally. Why do the China stocks stay down? Because of this risk. This risk is so exponential because the day, if it happens, the day China invades Taiwan, the FXI doesn't fall 2%. It doesn't fall 5%. It falls 30% that day. If that happens, the day that China invades Taiwan, the FXI falls 30% that day, in my opinion, not 3, 30. So, I mean, this is the risk. So, yeah, they're all cheap, but we don't know. Like, And if he keeps talking about unification, if he keeps talking about, you know, eventually, you know, bringing it back, that's basically implying an eventual invasion and coming in. And then we're into World War III going, and then it's a whole different can of worms. So that is the risk. Mitch, you've identified this is the risk of this overall bull market. The yeah. Fed is going to be behind this market, it looks like. we got interest rates. we got a lot of reasons. But if you see problems with the Taiwan-China situation escalate, that could derail the market. Now, Yesterday, there was commentary, but to Joel's point, those comments came out at 8 o'clock in the morning. We didn't sell off at 8 o'clock in the morning. We sold off at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So unless you think the market is completely blind and just ignores comments for six hours, that was probably not the reason for the sell-off. And sometimes, folks, there isn't a reason for a sell-off. Sometimes go. it's just the fact that we're just massively overbought, which we are on every indicator. Yeah. We've run up so far. Everybody's bullish. Mike Wilson's thrown in the towel. I've thrown in the towel on bearishness because it's just, you know, it's just where we are. And seasonality sets up that it looks like it's an easy slam dunk to just own stocks for the next eight days. Maybe they're going to pull the rug out from that scenario. We've seen it before, you know, and that's what the market likes to do is punish the maximum amount of participants. What would punish them the most is a sell-off during the Santa Claus rally. And that period starts, I believe, Friday. Yeah, it's the, tomorrow. It's the five days tomorrow. before the two days after. Yeah, it starts Friday tomorrow. Yep. So the tomorrow. Santa Claus tomorrow. rally is officially, I believe, if I'm doing my math right, supposed to start tomorrow. Yes. yes. If they pull the rug out during the Santa Claus rally, that would catch <laughs> a lot of money managers off guard. Well, it's just that's the way it's been, though. I mean, Powell, I, I would, I couldn't, I couldn't put it into words, but Powell caught people off guard. The bond market didn't catch people off guard, but with Powell, you know, it's just like, Nothing seems to be going according to plan. I mean, you know, I've heard people talk about five, six, uh, uh, you know, rate, uh, you know, rates going down five or six times next year. In this kind of situation, in this kind of economy, what does Powell know that we don't know, or what, you know, what's going on? So I, I have to agree with you here. If, I mean, if you're playing the Santa Claus rally. It's a it's a whole different Santa Claus this year. It it really the is. The setup is a little bit tough because we've run so far. So we're overbought going into Santa Claus time. Do we mm -hmm. get more overbought? I thought so yesterday morning. Now I don't know. So it spooks you a bit. And it's like if you were long set set up for the Santa Claus rally, now you get, you know, this you get hit really hard yesterday. 
But now you get the bounce back and get back half the losses in a lot of stuff here. Do you use that opportunity to sell? I would say in a normal situation, yes. But, you know, maybe there's just so many people who are underinvested that they're just going to buy the entire thing back. That wouldn't surprise me either. So normally, the easy trade would be to sell this rally here this morning. But because we're coming into seasonality, I don't know if that's the case. So <laughs> it's a head scratcher for me. Sometimes you just got to say market neutral. I think if you look at the SPY, you can kind of see that we're starting to even create a little bit of a range here. It expanded a little bit yesterday and the day prior, but I can see around like 475, 467, somewhere in between there. I think we might just stay within that range. You know, I'm going to, I had Todd Gordon. I don't think so. I think it's going to go one way or another. Okay. (laughs) That's okay. That's good to mention. If we we consolidate, uh, no, Todd yesterday, he made a really good point and, uh, he files the NASDAQ. I'm just going to look at the, the triple Qs. And if we, you know, he's saying we either establish a bid here, and I'll, I'll just call it 410. Is that what we hit yesterday in the triple Qs? Yeah, about yeah. 14, yeah. Yeah. He, if he's saying we establish a bid at 410, then get out of the way if you're selling because we're, we're going to the absolute moon. And I don't know what wave count that he had. But, you know, he, he wasn't he didn't say he wasn't totally convicted. He said, we establish a bid and it sure looked like we were starting to do that yesterday. I'll probably call it forty eight hundred in the S&Ps. You did have a bid there. You do that. Then you got to have a little bit of a foundation. And I, and, and I like what Mitch said, too. Look at that that pattern that you had after the uh, the November run up, even in the queues. It was waffling. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? blast off and that's what happened so i like his scenario i think he was like 60 percent that we're gonna get uh you know a bid here uh, above the all-time high in triple q's and then blow the doors off it 40 percent that uh you know we back and fill a little bit i don't know anything about any of the technical numbers i just know when the fed's talking about lowering rates (laughs) it's hard to be bearish so i'm just following what the fed is saying the reason I went to almost, you know, the majority of cash back in early 2021 was, or mid 2021 or whenever it was, was the Fed was talking about raising rates. And I'm like, I've seen this before. Usually the markets will sell off when they start to raise rates. And that's what we saw, significant sell off. You know, what I didn't foresee was the vicious rally of 2023, just continuing to get all of those losses back, which is so impressive. So I did not foresee that. So obviously I didn't get fully back into the market here and that's, you know, always seems to be my issue with managing my long-term stuff. So now we're back and it's like, okay, we've come full circle here. You know, just giving a perspective. We've, you know, had the wicked inflation after COVID. We've knocked the inflation back. We've had the wicked rate rises. You know, we still have high rates here, yet the market is sitting at all-time high. So the setup here is if rates start going down, you probably got to be bullish into 2024. The wild card being Mitch's point and my point off the bat. Taiwan invasion takes everything off the table and everything collapses. So we hope that doesn't happen. We hope that doesn't happen, you know, in the future. Obviously, Musk says he thinks it's imminent at some point in time. She's telling you they want to reunify. I don't think she's just BSing it. I think he's trying to, you know, figure out how to do it without causing the most damage to one his own economy. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. Because I was thinking like I I kept on looking at that headline and I and I looked at the time and I'm like, well, reunify. I mean, immediately you think, huh, you know, they're going (laughs) we're going in and we're and we're gonna reunify whether they want it or not. 
I mean, and it doesn't look like it's going to be a you know a, a peaceful reunification. It was oh, just, no, there won't be. It, yeah, it's a free so, country. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. it, they're not going to peacefully just say, "Yeah, we're good. We're good just going to go back in." Yeah, yeah, and I think that this could also be a way of desensitizing the information, right? If you tell the president that you're going to do something and you tell him it five, six, seven times, well, guess what? When you actually go and do it, will he actually think that it was anything other than what you just said? So I think that this has something to do with that. The more that she talks about it, the more that we all expect it to happen. And then when the moment does happen, we're not caught by surprise. I wonder what Biden said. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder yeah. if he was like, oh, well, okay, that's okay. Don't worry. We're sending more money to Ukraine. Biden you know? says whatever he's scripted <laughs> to say. Yeah. Oh, I mean, oh man. Now that, well, also, that, that it's, it, if you want to talk about, you know, I mean, that's not our only geopolitical concern. We yeah, have a lot. major things going on right now. Looks like Everywhere. there's no no resolution in sight. It looks like in the Middle East. Um, you know what's going on in the Red Sea. I mean, you know, we we you know we sloughed it off saying ah, you know, oil's coming from every places, and that's the way the oil market's acting too. We're down a buck forty two. We're getting hit hard in oil right now, and I was yeah. just going to say, let's talk trading action right okay. now. And we've right. got oil getting hit really hard here right now. Yeah, what's going um, on with that? We've rallied. Nice little rally here the last you know, Not holding. and a half. We're giving it back, a lot of it back here this morning. So, yeah. you know, and this is good for stocks. It has been, you know, it has been the thing when we were worried about inflation. But at a certain point in time, the oil getting hit here is going to worry people that is like, what's happening? Why are we losing so much oil? Is it supply or is it going to be demand? And is this, an, you know, an indicator of, you know, that the economy could slow in 2024. People are read a million things into that. We just loved oil going down before because it was deflationary. But now that we seem to not care as much about inflation, is oil yeah. going down a problem? I mean, yeah. we go back to, you know, even the GDP that's going to come out. We have GDP today, correct? Yeah, we do at 830. Real quick, just on the yeah. oil, and we should have mentioned this, Angola is out of OPEC. Is that what it, the reason is happening yep. here? Yep. Yep. And, yep. and, and here we go. And we're seeing, you know, obviously, you know, OPEC weakness is oil's weakness here as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're, we're selling off here. We're selling off in oil you, right now. That just yeah. goes to my theory that they're pumping. Everyone, no matter what they say about cuts, no matter what happens, people <laughs> are pumping. And they're bringing it out of the ground as fast as they can. And they're making as much money as they can. People are pumping. Yeah. That no, is bottom line. I agree with that. But the, the one thing that's throwing the wrench in this, of course, is the shipping charges, right? And yes. And shipping charges taking off. There's a reason why I'm in a shipper. I talked about shippers yesterday. They continue to make moves. And I think that this is really going to cause a problem. Um, remember when we had this little thing called supply chain issues? Well, it's looking like it might start rearing its ugly head here, especially if things continue how they're doing in the Red Sea. Because if shipping has to take another like route and go, let's say, south of Africa to get across this situation or somewhere else to kind of avoid this. Well, guess what? The cost for shipping is just going to skyrocket. What does that mean? Inflation. What does that yeah. mean for oil? Prices spiking. I, I'm not liking this situation for inflation. Jerome, I'm not even about just oil. Just face. If the supply chain gets backlogged again, it does equal inflation. And the one thing, and I know Powell wants to do his victory lap and he wanted to talk, but 
you know, it's a little bit premature because one, we know wage inflation is sticky, but two is the mentality of the consumer has changed and they now expect prices to go higher. And with that expectation that allows companies to continue to raise prices, I personally don't think we have beaten inflation. I will say that. I will say I don't think we've beaten inflation. I think that it has come down, but it is not beaten. And if we start to see anything go you know, inflationary again, that's an issue. Oh. But to your point, supply chain gets disrupted. That's inflationary. Going to be inflationary because people will pay more to get whatever the hell products they can get. I think that's important to know. Let's get to our earnings stock of the day. Micron Technology Q1 EPS comes in here at a loss of 95 cents, misses the loss of 91 cent estimate. Sales of 4.73 billion beat the 4.27 billion estimate. Micron Technology sees Q2 EPS at a loss of 28 cents, plus or minus 7 cents, versus a loss of 62 cent estimate. Revenues at 5.3 billion plus or minus 200 million versus a 5.03 billion estimate. They did say on the earnings call that the big driver in 2024 is going to be AI. They, they said what they needed to say. The one thing about Micron, is there any business that is more cyclical? Cyclical, than I didn't hear you say that. Like, no. they lose a pile of money, then they make a pile of money, then yeah, they lose dude, a pile of money, then they make a pile numbers. of money, and they're in this down cycle where they've been just burning cash here right now. But Rosenblatt predicts $10 in earnings for 2025. Rosenblatt is now putting a $140 price target on Micron here. So we know Rosenblatt likes to make a name. 140. Holy. They say they have the buy, but they're raising their price target from 100 to 140, and that's based on uh, on the multiple that they're that giving it. Ten dollars EPS estimate for 2025. So they're saying AI is going to drive the next cycle for this. The demand for DRAM and all the other stuff. I mean, it's. Um, it's a very DRAM? bullish DRAM's note that I'm reading from my Rosenblatt. I don't know. This business is so cyclical. It's so hard to predict. Yeah, DRAM's you know, when, when the cheaper. next upturn comes and the downturn comes, and we think we've bottomed in pricing here now. So that's going to turn around and, and pop this thing up. But I just know trading this stock, it's the ultimate buy the dip stock and the ultimate sell the rip stock because it is cyclical, folks. All right, uh, 140. There's resistance at 140. Uh, that's the only resistance I see. <laughs> I, I love these kind of calls. Uh, Pre-market pre high, 84.55. So I'll just give you that. I mean, you take that up, you keep going. Maybe use your half and whole numbers uh, for exits if you're trying to exit. Uh, I mean, it's just if the market turns after this GDP number, and it turns south, and maybe you'll get some profit-taking. This is a big move. I think this is probably right around the expected move because it's very volatile. I'll just change the monthly to a weekly here. I don't think it's going to make much difference. Now, uh, your next weekly resistance number, pulling one out of my hat, April of 2022, you had a high at 86.24. That's all I have for you. Let's get to some quick little upgrades here that are in the space. Especially, let's do a Salesforce here. Morgan Stanley upgrading Salesforce to overweight, raising price target to 350 What do you guys feel about this one? 
Breaking wow. out. Another stepping up to the plate, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think the macro picture here, I think what, what happens with GDP here today is going to be interesting, too, for all these stocks. I mean, we can talk about Chase and we talk about Santa Claus. What's this GDP print? Because before we were hoping for light numbers so that the Fed wouldn't continue to raise rates. But now we can get back to a normalized market where if GDP is showing a little bit of slowing, it's like, ooh, are we looking at this possible recession that a lot of people say maybe Powell was trying to predict? So, I mean, I think we go back to apples or apples and oranges are oranges again, where if you get a strong GDP number, I actually think it's possibly good for the market. And if you get a weak GDP number, it actually might be bad for the market. We have not seen this for the last year because we've been going the opposite theory in hopes that the Fed would stop raising rates. So I'm very curious on this GDP number, and I am going to go wide for this number because I think it could be market moving. It comes in line. Nobody knows anything. But it comes in weak. Market could get hit on that, actually. All right, let's give a little perspective on that. Of course, quarter over quarter reading will come in and also you get the price index to come in. Quarter over quarter prior was 2.1. The consensus for this quarter is going to be the 5.2. So 5.2 is a pretty high mark to reach there. So let's see if we can get there. GDP price index at a consensus of 3.5 prior being 1.7. So let's watch out. Let's see what happens here. And of course, that will hit the tape at 8.30. So quick technical comments here in CRM. Obviously, Please. the analyst that upgraded today didn't talk to the analyst that downgraded it yesterday. Uh, this 260 area, we talked about that. It closed red. That's great support. I'd say as long as we hold 260, good to go on the upside. And then you can look at, you might get a look at uh, your two-day high. Is a, I like this whole 266 area because that splits your two- and three-day highs. Just a quick technical comment here. Sure. Um, I, as far as the S&Ps go, uh, on the upside, I'm looking. You got the pre-market high at 78. If you want to get back half of that wicked decline yesterday, it's 47.87. So that's 15 handles away. That would show that the bulls are still fully in control of this market. On the downside, you got 20 handles down to the pre-market low. So maybe you could look at something at mid-range. But we'll see what the algo jumpers do. We'll see the actual number and see what the reaction is. But uh, if you bought that dip yesterday on the close, you are sitting on some nice profits here. Well, so I'd, you, I'd be selling it if I yeah. bought the dip yesterday on the close, just flipping out and going from there because again half the loss is back and a lot of stuff here and you just you need more information here like one we don't even know what the reason for the sell-off was yesterday was it technical was it you know maybe more comments from she was it zero dte which we can talk about um with obviously our guest cc legator who is coming on here momentarily i mean but all that being said it was a significant sell-off it did take a lot of people by surprise and a lot of people are getting those losses back here this morning. So this number is important. I'm going wide. Pedro, Pedro makes a good time, you know, comment. This is a, a time. This is not the time to overtrade here. You know, it's like got a lot of information yesterday. Digest the information. You're getting new information right now. And then tomorrow you get uh, you get PCE, which is uh, supposedly the number the Fed looks at. You get personal incomes, durable goods, 
the most important number there is, the Michigan consumer sentiment and also new home sales. So you're getting a ton ton of data tomorrow, which Powell probably, uh, well, I already have that data, so I can do whatever I want. But, yeah, uh, I don't think, I don't, I'm not worried too much of that PCE. I'm sure, I'm sure Jerome thought about that PCE report before he talked uh, earlier this month, uh, but we'll, we'll definitely uh, keep our eyes open for that. Let's see what happens. I'm going to stay on with you. If it gets crazy, I will run away okay. and that trade. So okay. we're going to try to stay on with you. I don't know what to think here. Maybe it's going to be a non-event. Okay. Maybe continuous jobless claims comes in here. That, what Dennis means by going wide, Dennis makes a lot of market, a lot of different stocks. And so, you know, just trying to envelope the market, being a market maker in the pre-market. But when he goes, you know, and he'll make a fairly tight market. But when things go crazy, he doesn't want to get picked off. So going wide just means, you know, spreading your bid and your offer, making them much farther apart. So if you do get yes. picked off, then, you know. You're getting picked off at an exaggerated level. Here we are. We're counting down. Some people have the number right now. We're looking. We're flat. Nothing. No reaction yet here. No From, reaction. All right. Drop. A little pop. A little pop. Not taking out the pre-market high. It must be in line. That's what I'm guessing. They don't know what to do with it. <laughs> they don't know what to do with it. All right. I don't know what to do with it yet. That's a win for the Bulls. 4.9. That's light. That's light. Um, But actual 5.2, Eric's saying. Yeah, that's that's light. I have an annual rate of 4.9. And then I have a second uh, 2.1 reading here. So at least I'm waiting for it to come in on uh, Benzinga Pro. But this is just straight from the actual website. So just give me one second here to confirm. Okay. I got quarter over quarter, 4.9 versus 5.2. So like I said, a little light there. And 2.1 was the prior. We were expecting 5.2. It came in 0.3 under the estimate. So that's actually light. That's not a good sign. But hey, who cares? The market doesn't care. It's all. We're in digestion period here. We're one minute after people are right. And it does look light. And I thought that they could actually hit it on a light number. But they're not hitting it. They're hesitantly buying it right now. So again, Hes- maybe that's saying, well, this is more it. that the Fed really is done. This could give Powell some, you know. <laughs> I mean, again, it's hard to read these numbers because 30, are we done with the 30 Fed? situations. I got you yeah. guys. We wanted maybe something. apples or oranges and oranges or apples here again. I don't yeah. know. What's your TLT? prices, 3.6 versus 3.6. So... Initial oh, jobless yeah. claims came under the estimate, just to kind of give that. That's two hundred five thousand versus the two fourteen prior being two hundred three. Um, don't know if anybody really cares about that, but uh, initial jobless claims never showing the spike that we were said by multiple people that it was going to show the spike. Never seen that job spike. Remember, I always look at TLT on these numbers. Oh, too, I had that up, and it yep. is not moving. TLT is not moving on this. They don't know what to do with this number because it's a little bit light and we've been so accustomed in the last year to buy light numbers because that means the Fed's going to stop raising rates, but the Fed has already stopped raising rates, they've said, so basically. So is this good? Is this bad? The algos don't know what to do with it. So the interpretation here is hesitantly getting bought because we're up about four S&P points since the number came out. TLT hesitant tlt shouldn't hesitate on something like this though tlt i would think should just get bought on this should it not 
Like if we think like you're lighter here, you're going it's still in, pretty you know. high. It's still a pretty high number. I mean, I, I yeah, know, it's not, uh, just to give the overall number. So you go, maybe Joel. looking at it from a go, from an absolute basis and not on forecast. Four point nine is still a pretty good. Number. Like wow, it's got to be still humming along. I mean, look where we came from, right? <laughs> we came from a negative like one point something reading to now above fours. So nice little spike here for the end. Now, we're buying, buying it now. We're buying, buying it now. It. Yeah. Yep. No, uh, no, no, no flinching. No, can't stop. I mean, there was no, I, I, a very little reaction down. I didn't even really catch my eye at all. I didn't even call the spike down there. I kind of thought it was in line. Okay. And now we went up to this area very easily a couple days ago. We came down to this area very easily yesterday. And now it, now it's a little, now you can feel the off. There's still sellers out there, but by, it's just like it was yesterday, like off that open. It was like bid, 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 bid. Okay. Previous day's high, close, bid, bid. That's what we're looking at right here. My number, I'm going to look at 47.87 because that encompasses uh, half of the range uh, from, from that high at 48.30.75. And I believe it was an after hours low at 47.43 and a quarter. So Bulls took a little break yesterday. Looks like they're back in control today. All right, let's do one more earnings before we get to our guests. Let's go do KMX here, uh, CarMax, c- continuing the push here in the pre-market. Uh, if you guys aren't catching that, Q3 EPS 52 cents beats the 47 cent estimate. Sales of 6.15 billion missed the 6.35 billion estimate. Retail used unit sales decreased 2.9%, and comparable stores used unit sales declined 4.1%. CarMax getting a nice little jump in the pre-market. You guys can see this continuing the push. I, I wasn't thinking that cars were going to do good next year. Looks like they're doing good at least to the end of the year. I'm trading this number still, so you guys run. Yeah, with it okay. Uh, you had a, yeah, you had a gap fill here at 81.32. Uh, so if you've been waiting on that, so this would be uh, right now 81.40 is your pre-market high. Market still going up. I, I will just put some importance uh, to this bar right here. I don't know, give an arrow up or arrow down. I guess it went down from this area, but you're filling the gap. This is my bar, my focus bar here. You filled the gap at 8132. You closed that day right there, 8142. High on next target for me on this one, if in fact you could keep the momentum going, would be your September 20th high. And that came in at 8324. All right, so we'll see what happens. Price action still continuing to climb here. We'll keep an eye on it, but let's go ahead. Let's get to our guest. We got some things to talk about with him on maybe some zero DTE action. Let's get right to it, Joel. Let's take it right to, of course, Options AI. Guys, smash the like. CC Legator from Options Learn, Options AI. And CC, I've been juggling the schedule, trying to get you on. I'm getting <laughs> all these emails, and I find the absolute perfect day to bring you on. So thank you so much for your, uh, your, uh, your patience with me. But let's go right to it. The cause for the sell-off yesterday. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you all brought up the zero DTE thing, and it was something that hadn't occurred to me. There had been talk about that, the possibility of zero DTE turning, you know, a sell-off ugly. Now, generally, 
the way people talk about that is they're like, oh, there's going to be a down 10% day and it's going to be the zero DTE traders fault, right? Mm. Yesterday was interesting because it did all happen at about what, 2.30 Eastern and on. Mm -hmm. And it felt very strange. It's certainly strange considering what the market has looked like the last two months. And I did hear from a lot of traders that it was sort of... Uh, it let it lent itself some of their comments it lent itself to me thinking that that might have had something to do with it and so let me just explain what's what's been going on with zero dte mm -hmm. is the zero dte trade that has been getting hammered over and over and over and by what i mean hammered is the traders are hammering this thing right and they've been doing quite well with it is basically selling the expected move every day right and for the last month and a half, we've seen this, uh, you know, the volatility is super low, but the market's moves have been super low too, right? So you'd be walking in in the morning, the SPX expected move would be about a half a percent, right? The market might be up a quarter of a percent pre-market, right? This morning, it's up a half a percent, which is actually, I'll get to that in a second. But anyway, it's been a very low expected move, very low volatility day to day and then to the weeklies and things like that. But this market has been behaving and has been staying within those ranges. Um, and so what traders have been doing is they've been selling call spreads into that open, you know, green print, right? With the assumption that we're not going to finish up one and a half percent, we're probably only going to finish up a half a percent. Or if the market opens red, which is rare, but it's happened, you know, several times over the last few weeks, you know, it's down a half a percent or down a quarter of a percent pre-market. You know, you might sell a credit put spread into that. The market might rally. Then you sell a credit call spread into that, or you're just selling credit, you know, iron condors into the expected move every day. It's been working more times than not. You know, normally that would work three out of five days. It's been working eight out of nine days, right? And so they've just been hammering this trade over and over again. And then yesterday was the first time in a while they've been tested to the downside, right? And so what that could have been, or at least, you know, like uh, part of that could have been those traders turning around, sort of being like, this is the first time I've got caught off sides in a while. I've forgotten what this feels like. And they're, you know, they're going to close those trades. They're going to sell stock. You know, and it just sort of accelerated it very quickly. And then, you know, this morning we're right back up. And so the fact that we're up this morning actually lends even more credence to the fact that it might have been a one day zero mm -hmm. event because then it's like those positions are gone. They've already expired. And so now we start over again, which is sort of the fascinating thing. So I don't know if I would put, you know, 100%. Obviously, you never put 100% of what happens in the market to the options market. It's just mm -hmm. sort of a backdrop to the to what there was a sentiment shift. We're near highs and a bunch of all time highs and a bunch of the indices. IWM was trying to break out from that weird range that it's been, you know, it's right at the top of that weird range it's been in for like the last year and a half or whatever. You had all of this going on. Some sellers came in, some buyers got exhausted, and then maybe the zero DTE put a little match to that, right? And that that's kind of what it felt like. Does that spook these traders from just blindly selling yeah. premium today? Does that well, no, spook them a little bit here? Well, no, it's interesting. It already did. So okay. the, the, the zero DTE expected move, and this is where you can see if it did spook them a little bit. And, you know, people have short memories. This may last two days. <laughs> but uh, 
the the expected move like in a typical market let's say with like the vix i don't know 16 or 17 or something like that mm-hmm. the zero dte expected move in spx would probably be about 0.7 0.8 uh in in queues it would probably be just over one percent you know like 1.1 percent or something like that recently that has gotten as low as like 0.4 percent for spx so only an expect so right now for instance with the s p futures they're up like almost 0.6 percent this would be more than what options have been pricing over the last couple of weeks this kind of move and we would look at this normally we'd be like it's barely moved right so what happened after yesterday's today's expected move inflated back up to 0.6%, which is basically right about where we are already pre-market. And this, the Q's expected move, which it had been about a half a percent, which is crazy small for the Q's, that expanded to like three quarters of a percent, which is basically where it is pre-market today. So it spooked them at least for one day. And all of a sudden it's like, they're gonna want wider, you know, the everybody, there's the demand for that at the money options just expanded a little bit. So, but again, you know, the GDP came out, it's a non-event. Like we might go right back into the VIX 11 and nobody caring for the next two weeks. It's very possible. You, you all were talking about, you know, what's the most likely Santa Claus setup into year end. I mean, the options market is still saying, nothing like it's nobody's buying puts um yesterday wasn't enough to spook people to start reaching for protection which is really crazy when you think about it right after this rally and what i'll tell you what people have been doing the last two weeks they've been buying calls right so that discussion you were you know i think mitch you mentioned yes or earlier in the show that like all the recent guests have been bullish your entire like Twitter yeah. feed has been bullish. Everybody's bullish. And the options market has been super bullish. And nobody's buying puts. Nobody's worried. And that, you know, that upside call buying, it's not necessarily a contrarian indicator because it could actually affect the market on a breakout. And I'll, you know, we can talk about that in a little bit, but it is, there has been no bearish sentiment. And I think a day like yesterday isn't enough to change that. Yeah, and apparently you're correct because yeah. I mean we are getting all the losses. It feels yep. like back here in oh, one totally. foul swoop. I mean, this is just incredible that the market has zero memory here. We're gonna go right back to the highs and say, who cares? It was zero DT, it was a one-off event, or maybe it was a chi comment that we've had a million times before talking about unification. Nothing's going to derail Santa from coming to town here. That's right. what the traders are saying here right now. They don't care the GDP was a little bit light here because, you know, that just means the Fed's more done. It's just the silver lining market just finds a reason to buy every single dip. It's kind of, you know, exhausting as a trader to just watch the same thing happen again and again and again. <laughs> and and yesterday was actually refreshing to us. Well, I know. I agree. Even, I, even after I was getting stopped out on some of my longs, which I was I on it. some of the yep. swing longs, it yeah. felt kind of refreshing to actually see a market sell off again because were we were you... two months. I don't know what how long the period is to go CC and maybe you know, but two months without a one percent sell off in the S and P. That's mm-hmm. an incredible stat there. You know, there has been nothing shaking any bulls whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, what's your outlook? And I and I know you're short term, so maybe you're not going to want to give outlooks, and I don't really like giving them either. But 
I mean, what's your outlook for the next set, six, seven days of 2023? And then what do you think for 2024? Well, I think that the consensus within like sort of the options setup is that we are either going to go sideways or all of these indices are basically going to finish at these important levels, right? So you look at IWM, what is it? Um, it's right at that big round number. You look at, um, you know, so the Russell 2000, IWM 200, uh, the Qs, you know, the, the SPY, what are we just now, the SPY and the SPX, we're just now below that all-time high. So there's some very obvious levels and the options market is basically saying we're probably going to end up somewhere around those levels, like kind of pinned into your end. And then the general consensus is December is historically one of the lowest volatility. Uh, you know, it's the lowest VIX prints that actually tends to carry over into January that some of the lowest VIX prints have been in January, early January. But then here's the weird thing is January is actually the second most volatile month realized ball, right? And a lot of times that's, you know, probably at least more than half the time that's been to the upside, but stocks move a lot in January and then it starts to pick up into, so that period between like January 15th and like going out to March is historically one of the most volatile parts of the year seasonally, right? The other being obviously September, October, you know, into November, and then it usually stops on a dime. So the general consensus is that you will probably not see many fireworks, especially into year end, and probably not even to start the year. You might get that weird, you know, day one or day two of trading that you always see. But then it's a, like usually around, <clears throat> pardon me, it's usually around January expiration that things start to maybe kind of turn and you really, the market sort of shows its hand for 2024, uh, right around mid-Jan. Now that's that's all based on seasonality. That's based on the current like kind of low vol, long gamma setup. You kind of need this stuff to expire to, to make one move, you know, to make a move one way or the other. But I would say that, you know, the longer term, forecast. I mean, I don't know, like we could be hitting these all time highs and it could be, we could fail and we could go backwards or we could exhaust the sellers here at these highs, at these resistance levels. And that's also what that would be doing is exhausting the shares sold against all this long gamma and all of these like, like upside calls that have been sold in like SPX and IWM and things like that. And then you could rip higher. And I think last time I was on the show, uh, we talked about IWM. And I was like, watch IWM. <laughs> and uh, especially to going back to that 200 level. Now, I didn't think it was going to take three weeks. I thought maybe it would take a <laughs> month and a half or two months, right? But yeah. it's right back up there. If you started to see IWM, if IWM took out this 200 level and started ripping higher i mean you could be in sort of mini meme stock era again right I, I, and I that agree. that's sort of the the flow right now from especially retail and then some institutional is they're buying some of these upside calls in some of these small caps right and you're seeing this kind of reverse skew in a lot of these stocks and what would happen it's just sort of a reminder and i'm not saying like meme stock meme stock era was crazy but yeah. the options part of meme stock era was a really great lesson for a lot of people at home. And what it was is you take one of those ridiculous stocks that, you know, like the GameStops or the AMCs, all of that retail 
buying, obviously they had in the equity part of the trading, but on the option side, all these people were going out and buying really cheap upside calls. And if you're a market maker, those are almost impossible to hedge when you sell them. So if a stock is 100 and somebody's buying a 200 call from you, you there's no way to hedge that, right? It's delta is like three. So what happens is those stocks start ripping higher. And then all of a sudden the market makers are looking at all these short calls they've sold for five cents and 10 cents, and they have to start buying stock, stock. against those, right? Mm. And that's when you see those like parabolic moves where everybody's like, I mean, remember some of the dumbest ones like Virgin uh, Galactic, and oh, yeah. that's when you start seeing those parabolic moves. Now I'm not saying that's going to happen and I hope it never happens again, it's crazy. But that's, you could see many versions of that if IWM makes a run from 200 back to its all-time highs, right? Yeah, 240. Yep. CC, man, you, I mean, I am just absorbing the information that you're taking sure. in here. And uh, Dennis, I, I want to agree with you on what you said. I love the reset yesterday. You know, I it's like, you know, doing the levels and looking at things, I'm just you know, like where, but now I have, I have some points to look at, right? There's reference points. What was your close? What was the high close of the move? And then CC, I mean, you could not, I think they're back at it again, because oh, as yeah. far as uh, the expected range, because I was looking, we were trading 94, we were in the 90 handle. And I like to do, I mean, it's the same thing. I like to look at the nine day average trading range, right? As potential yeah. target. So I looked and I'm like, wow, if this thing gets to 97.50, then that's going to be the expected range for the entire day. Oh, yeah. Just in yep. the pre-market. And yep. you know what? I, I don't I don't even know if I'm going to get another shot at it in the 90 handle because we got close to it and then they started unwinded based on exactly what you were talking about. While you were talking about that played out in real time. So yeah, maybe they took their licking yesterday, but they're going right back, you know, uh, taking today at it. Uh, excellent this is illustration. The other way. This is the Go other ahead. way, and I hate to get, I hate to just turn completely bullish just because the futures are higher. <laughs> That's we're talking. I agree. Oh, but I totally the other agree. Way, the other way that you get this breakout, right? If you get like Q's ripping higher, you get SP, you know, SPX putting in a new high and the IWM, you know, making a run back towards its all time highs is you got to shake some people out, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. You've got to get, you know, like that slow grind higher isn't, well, you know, you just can't make up a ton of room, right? Like it's going to be those half a percent. You're not going to, you know, you're only going to be up a couple of percent after like a month or something like that. The way to get those 8% moves higher, 7% moves higher, is you've actually got to have some volatility to the downside too. It needs to be part of the formula. And so, you know, not that yesterday, yesterday is not enough to pull that off, but you would actually, like if you're, if you were saying, all right, SPX is going to have a great 2024, it's probably got to get hit at some point early in the year, right? Um, it's just going straight up from here after what it's done, and especially like Q's up what 50% on the year. Like the the if for them to be up big in 2024, they're gonna need a sell-off at some point early, right? So would you say I mean we're we're leaking here, which you know, 10 handles up yeah, up, up 45 handles. Would you say um and you know nothing's absolute, but it, if you say if we like don't hold these gains today 
and actually end up going red today on this session. We have no idea if that's going to happen. Where does that like say that Santa Claus maybe ain't leaving the North Pole? Yeah, I would say so. I would say that basically the market what didn't have the strength to get up through these resistance levels and through this gamma, right? And I mean, it was like, I think, uh, you know, it was when the SPX tried to make that all time high the other day, I think it was on really low volume, wasn't it? And so, uh, look. yeah. And so, you know, that's the thing that you do, definitely do not want to see is that like, if this was a low volume day that got rejected back, um, you know, at these levels that it was trying to get to yesterday, oh, you wow. would, um, that would be like, yeah, all right, we were probably done for the year trying to make a new high. The volume's just not going to be there to power it through, right? And it needs to be powered through. One more point here I'd like to bring up and get your uh, get your opinion on. Uh, a lot of times quad witch expirations uh, mark turning points in the market, right? A strong continuation of the current trend. Can't argue that the, the trend is, is, is up. Or what we did, and I, I looked at it from the last expirations, I think in March, we, we went through it, but then came back down through it. Did you see, I mean, I look at the volume, uh, you know, of course, uh, volumes were elevated on Friday um, and have come down a little this week. What are you, uh, looking at the expirations, did you see, uh, there, there was, Dennis had a little bit more action on the open and the close. Um and it was kind of a weird, weak, choppy day. Did you see anything in the expiration that gives you, you know, a little bit of a, an inkling for the, you know, for the next three months, the next quarter? Yeah. And so the, the, I think I've been on on some of those days recently, especially in the fall, and they tend to be, or they can be, these moments where the backdrop of the market really changes. And I think we saw that a couple of times in the fall where we were, you know, we were going sideways and then that we had one of those big expirations and that was the week that we tanked the next week. Right. And we've had the opposite, you know, to the upside happen after some of these big expirations. December actually was a massive expiration again, like the the nominal value, the gamma value of all of these expirations actually were big. It didn't seem like much changed until yesterday. And then to add to yesterday. It was also a VIX expiration, um, which could have added something to that. Uh, you know, so there's a what when you look for those, you know, and we're going to find it again, you know, year end. There's some gamma on the, you know, the 29th or whatever, the last day of the trading day of December. That will clear a little bit. I think the big one to look for is out to that mid-Jan expiration. And I don't even know what the specific date is, but whatever the third Friday is in January, look to that to be probably the one where these, this backdrop could most significantly shift. That December one was big, but it was always going to be a weird one because we were going into the holidays and holiday trading, whereas that Jan expiration that could be the moment where we see, like, again, where we see the market show its hand for 2024 could be right out of that expiration. Incredible content coming yeah. from CC Legator Options Learn. You can follow him at Twitter at that handle. CC, just thanks, thanks so much for the education on this. Great perspective on the markets. And we're going to be dialing you up real, uh, maybe the third Friday in January. There How's that? Yeah, <laughs> I'll put you on the docket for that right now. Thanks again, CC. Excellent. See you guys. Thanks, CC.
All right, let's take a look. Sometimes you got to just sit back and listen. You know, you got a good guest when I'm shutting up in the background and just taking <laughs> it all in. You know, and like you learn so much from CC because he's obviously in the options. And no, and I, I used to be an options trader, but this is years ago. And I'm so removed from all this new stuff. But, you know, he makes good points, you know, on the zero DTE yeah. stuff. I know, like, like, obviously that didn't exist when I was trading options back, you know, in the early 2000s. But, I mean, you get everybody on one side just dumping premium. It's free money. You know, this relentless, like, slow crawl up is just fantastic for that strategy if you're selling. And, you know, and then, you know, all of a sudden you get a dump like we did yesterday. And a lot of people are probably caught off guard. So, you know, maybe there was something to that, you know, that that added maybe the fuel to the fire. Maybe it was a little spark. Maybe it was Chi comments that kind of kickstarted it. But at the end, I mean, probably a lot of people on the other side of those zero DTEs losing some money yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I just view it as way too many bulls. I think that's just well, that's, too many bulls. And, and that strategy it like in that. itself, Mitch, just to add to your point here, you know, they're, 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 if we look, it's probably dumping, you know, not just you know, on the put side, on the call side, you know, it's probably, you know, bullish zero DTE overall. So, I mean, you've got premium being sold on the bullish side because it just feels safe. I mean, me, meaning that, you know, we think the market's going higher and not going to dump anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just even those traders probably caught on the bull side as well. Just so many traders just on that side that maybe we need these shakeouts. You know, we need these violent shakeouts. I mean, me and you, Mitch, who, yeah. who, who have been bearish for a lot of this. You know, um, you know, trading on the on the bullish side yesterday too, because it just looked like a very clean setup going into Santa Claus. Was the setup too clean? Mm -hmm. I used to always say, like on the technical charts, if if the technical chart is so perfect, if the head and shoulders is so perfect, it almost always goes the other way. Exactly. Because everybody sees it. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what we ran into yesterday. And I think today is going to be that telling day. I know that you said it was an important day, but it is a telling day, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yep. If we come right back up and next thing you know, we're closing at 475. Well, I think everyone's going to push this to the side, right? Um, so you just got to watch today. Uh, and, uh, you know, also, Dennis, and me and you have been, you know, we've fallen for this trick before in, in this market is that, you had the big sell-off, right? And you're thinking, man, that was the key reversal. You know, that that was it, you know? Yeah. We're turning, but it doesn't turn. It doesn't turn the first it day. Turn. It doesn't, maybe even to the second day. And, yeah. you know, and then you're like, ah, whatever. Um, so you're right. I, I would love, I would love to see us not even take out the pre-market high, not even take out the pre-market low. I'd love to see us just chop in this area, chop, 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 chop. And then, you know, see, we do have some potentially market moving data tomorrow. I mean, we didn't, uh, we got a nice move off the GDP number, but uh, no, great, great discussion. And uh, once again, I just, I just have to go back to CC there because, you know, we, we, Really tried to talk about the zero DTE on the pre pre market show and, you know, to explain it. But, you know, why, you know, why try and us go through it when you have an expert, someone that's been following it for years? Well, and that's in um, there in trading. I mean, you yeah. get so many academics on, on, you know, and telling us how to trade and what to do. And, you know, and then a lot of these academics aren't actual traders. I always say, like, if you want to know what's wrong with, the Ford truck you're buying, go ask the line worker, the person that's actually putting the nuts and bolts in.
because they'll understand, you know, maybe they only understand their little portion, but if you can under, if they don't know that portion so well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want to understand, you know, market making, ask a market maker, you want to go understand short-term trading, ask a short-term trader, but you know, you got to get down and dirty in it really to like get, get the feel for it. So, I mean, we just, and, and I forget where I was going with that, but I just overall this market, there's just so many things that we just don't understand because we're not down and dirty in it. So CC is a fantastic, give us that perspective, you know, on the zero DT stuff. Let's go ask him because he's down and dirty and he gives us a different perspective, you know, because it does affect stocks. And when everybody's selling premium on one side, when it goes to unwind, you can get an ugly unwind. And maybe that's what we had was that yesterday. And then maybe that's why we bounce back today, because to CC's point, it would be a one day event if that was the cause. Yeah, and I think that one thing to remember is that both situations, if it was a zero OTD or if it was chi, will that really put an effect on the market today? I don't think that the answer is yes when I think about that, right? And so I think you're still going to see rosy traders. You're still going to see that bullish tune. Let's see if the bulls can take it back today. Um, what are the levels that you'd be looking for recovery, Joel? Upside. Uh, I mean, uh, well, it's important to stay above 4787 because that's halfway there, right? Okay. Halfway back of that move. So I'm hawking that. We've already taken it out. Uh, I think I would, I, you know, really waiting to see if we take out this pre-market high. Like if that's the high of the day at 94.75 and, you know, in your first 15 minutes, because you always get the pushes off the open. But the fact that we you know, have already traded, just going back to what CC said, you know, the average trading range, you know, with that's what we've done so far. So if it stays calm and it stays within that, you know, we'll move ahead. But, uh, yeah, keep an eye on that pre-market high. And then for something, I like what uh, Todd said yesterday, you know, looking into triple Qs. I mean, you know, you get back to that, that 410. 410.47 was the high yesterday. You start to somehow establish a 410 bid in this thing, and you just got to get the hell out of the way because this thing's going to be ripping. I, I mean, we can say that, but then you get fake outs and fake downs. And, again, you know, I'm just one that I'm I'm not a huge fan of technical analysis. You guys know yeah. that. I always throw it to oh. you guys. It's just not my how, style. How dare you? I don't. What's that? How dare you? Uh, yeah, obviously. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of like trying to put it all together, like pieces of the puzzle, and trying to put together a picture. Obviously, you know, I do my own stuff, but I mean, we can say, yeah, if we reclaim this level, we're going higher. I mean, you hear these fib people coming on. Well, if you hit this, then we're gonna do this, or if you hit this, then you can do this. But then it does the exact opposite, and then they'll tell you why it did that. <laughs> this course, technical analysis dude. will always have the reason why we did that. When in the real you know, world here, it's headlines that really drive price. <laughs> so we can say it's charts that drive price, but it's not. It's the headlines that make the charts. And that's why if you said anything of what I really am and why I've been successful for 24 years in this business and I've not had one down year in 24 years of day trading, um, the reason I've been successful is that I do follow the headlines. And it's probably you know the people out there that are saying, you know, the headline traders, you know, they just don't, you know, those people that don't know what they're doing. You got to look at the charts. Everybody's looking at the chart. Everyone's looking at charts. And sometimes it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're looking at charts. 
But the real edge is on getting in the information, like meaning getting that headline. You see the headline change, you sell or you buy. You know how to interpret those headlines. If you the can program chart, the, the charts, the charts can't. I mean, the news they, they they react to the news. I mean, people think, oh no, it did this because of that. Well, the news took it. When, when there's good news on something, it goes to resistance, potential resistance. When there's bad news on something, it goes to potential support. So. Uh, and, and that's the combo approach that I like to use. When I see the bad news on something, you, you can tell by my technical stuff, well, where is this going? Okay, well, now I have a logical bounce point. But I'm not trying to use the technicals to predict the next move. I'm trying to use the technicals to tell me where the move is going. And that's how I use my technicals more than anything. Not as a, a predictive tool, but as a tool to tell me, okay, there's bad news in this stock. Where is the next level of support? That's how I use, and that's the combo approach. And I think that's where it, why I've been successful is that combo approach. Looking, I'm like, okay, this huge support down at 50. It just sold from 58 to 51. It's probably going to the 50. So I mean, it's 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 stuff like that. So that combo approach is maybe the best approach. But those who just use technical analysis and that's it, I can tell you, it, it's it's tougher. It's tougher, and some people are excellent at it. But in bright trading, Joel. How many people have we come had come through day traders starting at break trading in the office setting? We've seen hundreds of traders go through. How many pure technical traders, like just using charts and that's it, have you know really had tape successful readers. careers? Tape readers. That's the tape, tape readers, readers are good, but that's completely different. Tape reading and understand that's where the and back in the day, tape reading was awesome. Everything. So, but I mean, just looking at charts, like all I do is look at charts and I only buy or sell off charts, and that's it. I don't look at tape. I don't look at, you know, I just look at charts and that's it. Not a lot, man. The, no. the truth is, is that there is no book on the market. There's no book. It's an art form, guys. It's not a science. True. And that's the hardest part of the market, right? At the end of the day, if it was a science, then maybe we could all have the formula down and all win. But the truth is it doesn't work like that, right? It's an art. It's an art form. And with that, different variables come into play. So as you guys can see, one thing that Dennis found was something that worked for him, right? That he could do repeatedly. And like he said, hasn't had a losing year in how many years? I mean, those are the type of things you need to be looking for. Find your edge in this market. That's what we're all looking for. And, and I've had using years in my investment portfolio because my investment portfolio is just long. It doesn't go short. If the market's having a down 23%, like 2021, my portfolio lost money in my long-term investment portfolio. But I have two separate accounts. And I, that's why I want to clarify in my day trading account, like with bright trading all those years, I had not had a down year ever. And uh, and I, I've been two years at IB full time because I left bright two years ago. And both those years have been up as well. And I've been posting, you know, my percentages every month, you know, since, you know, I've, I went over there. Th those cons that consistency with trading isn't because I'm just looking at charts. It's because I've just found my edge, you know, like I kind of put it all together. And I, and again, I'm going to say, if you are just a technical trader and you only look at charts and you have been successful for years doing this, by all means, continue to do it because success, you know, you, you can't argue with success. The numbers speak for themselves. But if you're just getting started and you think you're going to pick up a technical analysis book and just beat the market with that, I think you're fooling yourself. I think you've got to get educated on so many more variables. Technical analysis is a good piece, but it's one piece of the puzzle. You need to have multiple pieces to really put it together, usually to have a successful trading career. Try to put it all together. Getting that little piece from CC today, 
you know, on zero DTE. Very important, you know, that we get that perspective that, hey, maybe this market does teeter and you get a sell-off, it can get more violent because of zero DT. And I didn't consider that because that stuff wasn't around when I was an options trader, you know, and it's not, it hasn't been around that long. So it does change things. So just having that perspective, getting that information from CC makes you a better trader here today. All right, okay, team, folks. that's going to do it for us here on Pre-Market Prep. Like always, keep up with everything. Joel, Elkanen, of course, if you guys haven't checked out Pre-Market Prep and the closing print, check it out. Like always, that's on at 3 p.m. Dennis, go do what you do best, man. Get to your trading action. Thanks, Have buddy, a good man. Have a good one. Take care. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us here on Pre-Market Prep. Like always, all information here is for informational purposes only, not to be used as investment advice and opinions do not represent those of Benzinga. Hosts and guests may maintain in the positions discussed in securities today. Like always, smash the like button. We're going to get you guys over to live trading. That's coming up next. I'm ready to get after a team. I've been putting a lot of money to work, especially with markets like this. So you guys can come over. Like always, hit the subscribe and the like button down below to get notified and be the first when we go live here on Pre-Market Prep. And I got a little special surprise for you guys tomorrow. Don't miss it, guys. Be here. Be square. 8.30. We're going to start getting into Outlook of 2024. I got eight experts for you guys as a special little gift to give you guys ready for the next year. So don't miss that tomorrow. Even if you for somehow missed that, I'll tell you one thing. You better take a look into that and get ready for the 24 years with the best experts on Wall Street. That will be tomorrow. Don't miss it, team. As we close the door on 2023 check it out guys and i'll get you guys over to live trading that's coming up next hit the like button and let's keep it going right here on benzinga